and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And uh, we, this week, are, or, or today, you know, whenever this gets posted, um... We're talking about a movie. We uh, we are just flooded with requests. You know, we have this huge list of requests, and we're getting requests from our patrons, which we very much appreciate. And you know, with all of that, I thought I'm just going to pick something I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to treat yourself today. <laughs> treat yourself. A little something yes. for you. <laughs> Uh, honestly we have so many requests that you know whatever we decide to do we usually just have to go through the request list because somebody has usually requested it but not this one it's true the the reason that uh this one came to mind for me is because over the six seven years we've been doing this we've pretty much hit almost every major horror franchise Mm -hmm. but there are just a couple that we haven't hit yet and one of those is uh, the Hatchet franchise. Yeah. We've never hit before. And we've never even really talked about it very much. No, we haven't. It crossed my mind in thinking about what we were going to do for today. Um, and I looked it up, and it's easily accessible uh, online. Y- you can find it for free on multiple platforms. I watched it on Tubi. Now, if if you watch on Tubi... Um, it's ad supported, so you have to watch commercials, which is kind of annoying. But I don't know if I've said this before. I may have. I subscribe to a bazillion different streaming services, mm-hmm. and more often than not, I find myself watching stuff on Tubi. <laughs> of all of all of the streaming platforms, they have an amazing horror catalog. Like it's just enormous and and you know mainstream stuff a lot of stuff you've never heard of and and granted a lot of it is crap like uh i'll I'll put something on and within the first five minutes i'll say i can't watch this Mm. but if you can wade through that stuff you can find some really interesting stuff on there too and there is some you know some mainstream critically acclaimed stuff on there so there's my little free advert for Tubi. Uh, Tubi, if you're listening, I have Venmo and PayPal. Just uh, hit me up. We're happy to promote your free service. (laughs) (laughs) Pay us money, please. (laughs) But this movie is Hatchet from 2006, Mm. uh, written and directed by an up-and-coming director named Adam Green, who has done some other stuff. Um, probably his uh, most notable other film is a movie called Frozen, uh, not the Disney princess <laughs> movie Frozen, no which is in also lovely. <laughs> no, we haven't done Frozen, have we? Have you seen it? It's about it's on my three list. friends who get trapped. They get trapped on a ski lift. Yeah, looks cool. And yeah, it, it is. And and you know, I mean the. That's the premise. Three friends trapped on a ski lift after everybody else leaves, and it's the end of the weekend, so they're going to be stuck there for God knows how long. Anyway, I like that movie, too. Maybe we'll talk about it someday. Hmm. But beyond that, Adam Green is known mostly for this franchise. There are four films in the franchise. Um, Adam Green wrote, I believe, 
all of them except maybe number three. I don't remember. He directed all of them except for part three. And for part three, he was busy with something else. And so he chose one of his head camera operators, I think, from from the other movies to direct that one. Mm. But it's it's a four-film franchise. We're talking about the first one. The other ones are interesting, and we'll probably at least touch on those as we go along. But this is... I get the feeling that Adam Green is a horror fan, yeah. and he's a fan of 80s slasher movies, and he wanted to make one, and he did. And I have no idea... This guy must just have some magic in <laughs> the way of connection. He must know people. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of his first films. I mean, he had done some stuff before that. but Almost nothing. Uh, yeah, almost nothing. nothing. Yeah. And he, he has huge, huge horror icons in this movie. I mean... Virtually everybody you see in this movie you are going to recognize from some of from something. And some of them are huge, huge, huge or horror icons. Yeah. He uh, moved, I think, to um, Los Angeles while he was developing something called Coffee and Donuts. It was um, something that I guess got some interest in the industry. Uh, it was something that I think was like a stage play or something that he put on, and uh, there was some interest to develop it for a TV series. And he moved to Hollywood, but then um, things fell through pretty quickly with mergers between networks and whatnot, and he ended up struggling quite a bit, basically as a page boy, as an uh, assistant uh, on the sets. He was DJing somewhere. He also He's also big into heavy metal and played with metal band and has a relationship with the, the Guar folks. Uh-huh. Um, he did end up up uh, getting that TV series made like decade later. But in the meantime, he was down to a point where he was like eating, like, I guess while he was DJing at this club, he was eating people's leftover food, pulling stuff out of the trash. I mean, like he was pretty much that desperate. And according to him anyway, he was looking at the horror scene at the time and was kind of disgusted because this is what, 2006, this is, uh, we're kind of in the heels of the torture porn era. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, everybody's either interested in torture porn or remakes. Nobody is doing anything new and so why don't I just kind of combine the two things? I'll take something classic that we like, but instead of making a remake of it, we'll just make a new one, you know, a new iconic mm -hmm. character like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger and just do an old school type slasher, but in a slightly different way. And his different way of doing it was injecting the humor into it, like mm -hmm. the outright humor. And I read an interview with him where he said that he deliberately packed his cast with comedians just because those comedians they kind of get it they have the the right timing and everything to make their characters believable and interesting and whereas the old school slashers you know their characters are just kind of throw away they don't they don't do a lot for character development he's like even though i'm not going to really change that formula much it's still going to be five minutes and you're still waiting for the next person to get killed you know but instead mm -hmm. um, i'm going to take that space in between the killings and actually have some interesting funny characters that you kind of actually believe are real people and maybe you'll be a little sad that they're that they're dead mm -hmm. and to that i i think he succeeded i really do i mean it's for me I, this is my second time watching the movie i think that uh he pretty much did what he set out to do 
And it's super cool to see all the cameos in there from all these classic people. Like Kane Hodder's in there. He plays the villain. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, yes. it starts out with Robert Englund, you know, in a boat. I mean, like, I there's know. so much. So you would just have to think that there was so much interest in the script that he was able to get there these had people on. Been. Like, there's no way he knew he had such deep connections at that time. He had connections, but they can't have been that deep. That trend carries through the rest of the sequels. I don't think I've seen all of them. I know I've seen the second one. You know, he just gets these great people from classic horror movies. I know Felissa Rose is in one of them. The girl, I, I can't think of her name, but the, the lady who played the DJ in Texas Chainsaw 2 uh, oh, is yeah. in one of them. Caroline something is her name. I can't remember. Anyway, it, it continues. He keeps getting these great people, but there are so many... Um, in this one, and I do think it had to have had this script somehow must have caught somebody's attention, and I understand why because this is a funny mm-hmm. movie. Um, I think it's really funny. Like the the dialogue is really quippy, almost to the point where it could get kind of into eye roll territory. Yeah, but for me. It doesn't. I was smiling and laughing out loud through this whole movie. And uh, a lot of it, of course, is the writing. But he's got some excellent comedians, like you said, in here. Comedic actors who um, have a history uh, in comedy. Uh, and, And it just worked really well for me. In addition to that, it's really kind of a straightforward 80s slasher, Mm -hmm. you know, with a backstory and kind of a tragic villain slash anti-hero but at the same time the the killer is it, it, in a very humorous way just kind of stock mm-hmm. like i you know like he's he's this you know disfigured backwoods guy and it, it just cracked me up every time that he would just from the bottom of the screen Pop into the shot, <laughs> like, literally. Just, just ah, like, <laughs> like they're just standing around talking, and then suddenly, <laughs> and he just stands up and like shakes his fist, and they all scream and run away, and he. <laughs> He slowly pursues them, and he just, wherever they are, he just pops up. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so funny. It's funny because it's so typical, but it's played straight in those other movies, and it's played for the humor here, but it still works as a slasher. There's tons of violence. There's tons of gore. Green actually had a major, major problem with the MPAA. When he submitted this film, they slapped an NC-17 on it, and he had to keep cutting things in order to get the R, which he eventually did. But by the time that happened, he said that so much of what he wanted this movie to be was stripped away to the point that it wasn't even the movie that he wanted to make. Mm. He said... I don't know if it was in a print interview or or what, but I saw that he said that everything that I had promised the audience in the teasers, in the posters, all of that was gone. 
it, it was it was stripped away. Um, and he was really disappointed. They did eventually release um, an unrated DVD or Blu-ray cut, which restored all of the violence, and you can see that. It, and it's only like one additional minute of mm. footage. Um, but uh, apparently he was really upset by that, so much so that when he went to make Hatchet 2, he's like, you know what, F- the MPAA. I'm not going to have this movie rated. I'm going to bypass them. I'm going to release it unrated. And he did. And he made a deal. He struck a deal with AMC um, that they were going to show, they were going to screen the movie unrated and uh, as part of some sort of promotion or something. And so it opened in early October. Within a matter of hours it started getting pulled from theaters. And within a matter of just, I think, three or four days, it was completely and 100% pulled from theaters. Adam Green believes that it was because of pressure from the MPAA. Uh, He thinks that they wanted to make an example of him, that uh, if you try to bypass us and release something unrated, it's going to fail. And, and he also believed that from that point moving forward, they were going to have their eye on him and they were going to continue to try to make an example of him. And he just didn't understand it. He said, you know, when this movie came out, it came out at almost exactly the same time as The Hills Have Eyes, the remake. Mm. Um, and you and I have both seen that. And that movie is brutal and nasty Mm -hmm. and violent and disturbing and he said and that movie got an r you know it was a big studio movie was going to bring in a lot of money um it got an r no problem no cuts necessary but here my stupid little movie with you know a guy ripping people's heads off and he said it doesn't even make any sense he's like yeah there's tons of violence and tons of gore but it's it's, dumb it's over the top you know it's, it's not Plus, there's it's a comedy. It's there's, gags. There's gags and there's yeah. you know, jokes and things throughout. It's supposed to be lighthearted, you know? Not like the hills have eyes, my God. Right, which, again, and, and he said, I'm not dissing those movies. Is that I love those movies. They're great movies. I just don't understand why my little movie is getting treated It's politics. 100% politics. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's politics and business and bureaucracy. And I, I know that, you know, Wes Craven butted heads with the MPAA throughout his career. It's unfortunate. And, you know, we've talked about, Heather asked us about this uh, in our interview, which you can access via our Patreon account if you would choose to support mm-hmm. us. Um, <laughs> but we talked about, you know, the movie rating system and is it even legitimate anymore? Uh, and, and I think to some extent it's really not, um, you know, there's so much content out there and the way that it's being released, especially through streaming services and online platforms. Um, I don't know that there's really any necessity for the MPAA anymore. TV doesn't go through the MPAA and, you know, Game of Thrones and all of these multiple hours long epics that you can watch on, on any streaming service and every single streaming service has their own exclusive content. There's more stuff being put out there than the MPAA can even rate now. Right. It's just a different world. It's a different world. Yeah, so. it's yeah, it served its purpose. I just I think that it's time has come but we'll see i mean it it, like you said it's industry it's money so i don't think that they're going anywhere anytime soon but 
maybe sometime in our lifetime. Anyway, Hatchet. <laughs> so we open up with two men on a boat, and it's a father and son. The father is played by fucking Freddy Krueger, <laughs> Robert England, you know, icon so of cool. icons in the horror industry. Yep. And uh, his son, uh, played by Josh Leonard, who is Josh from the Blair Witch project mm. and they're like hunting a gator this is all set in new orleans and it's you know they 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 play up kind of the southern new orleans stereotypes so these are like bayou type guys bayou hillbilly like they're hunting yeah and they're they're hunting a gator and they're ribbing each other and the dad's calling the son a queer and like <laughs> i mean it's just it's goofy but it's it's funny i mean it, it you you get from the beginning this is going to be funny yeah. it's going to be a comedy similar in tone i would say even though far more violent similar in tone to like lake placid like it, it's a comedy yeah. uh, the you know the 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 ki- the guy ainsley the younger guy is peeing off the side of a boat and the alligator like jumps up and snaps at his wiener and like <laughs> i mean it's just it's stupid stuff they both end up getting killed uh slaughtered and you see the son after the gator jumps at him goes off on land and finishes his business and while he's doing that he's trying to talk to his dad but his dad's not responding when he goes back to the boat he finds his dad robert england you know just completely eviscerated guts everywhere Um, and then he is also slaughtered by an unseen at this point force um but clearly not a gator like he gets, you know, totally ripped up, like just ripped apart and, you know, smashed into tree trunks and stuff. It's very gruesome and violent and bloody, as are the rest of the kills in this movie. Everything, all of the effects in this movie are practical. They look amazing. Yeah. Adam Green had a no CGI rule on this production. The only CGI that they used was used to remove like wires and and things. Uh, None of the effects uh, are CGI and they look great. Uh, And that's the opening scene that sets it up. And then we meet up with our main character, Ben, uh, played by Joel David Moore, um, who's done a lot of stuff. I recognize him. He was in Avatar. He's slated to be in the 400 Avatar sequels that are in production right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it does make me wonder about those sequels. Do you think all the actors who were in those have been like also tied up for the last uh, decade and a half? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? And like... Is, is there really anybody out there who's like, oh, man, when is that Avatar right. sequel Oh, my God, I've waited out. for so long for a new one. I want to see Fern Gully with blue people again. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, I need four more. Well, don't worry, folks. Yet the trailer for the long-promised sequel finally released recently. I know, and, and, and three, I think three, four, and five are in pre-production but that's another story um we we then meet uh okay so it's ben and his group of friends one of whom is played by adam green in a non-speaking role just a drunk friend um but his best friend marcus is played by dion richmond who's been in tons of stuff but forever will be rudy's friend kenny from the cosby show Mm -hmm. to me 
Oh my god. Yep. He was so cute and so funny as a little kid and he's still really funny. He is. Um he was he was also in uh not another teen movie which is a goofy movie but really funny and he played on purpose the token black friend <laughs> and and commented on it all the time and he is just a really funny guy and he's really funny in this movie too. And they're walking around and it's New Orleans and so there's lots of boobs, you know. Yeah. It's it's I I've never been to New Orleans and so I don't know, you know, I know kind of the whole Mardi Gras culture, but like is that just all the time? No. Like I mean, if you're, <laughs> no, maybe to a smaller extent. I was there during St. Patrick's Day once, and they had a smaller scale St. Patrick's Day parade. Beads were thrown and stuff, but it eh, there wasn't much of this going on. It's je- basically a Mardi Gras thing. And by the way, I've been to New Orleans many times, and it is my absolute, hands down, without a doubt, far and above my favorite city in the entire USA. It is so chock full of history and interesting uh-huh. and culture. culture. I mean, the the blending of the cultures down there is just unique. It is so different and so cool. After Hurricane Katrina happened, I was so distraught over the fact that New Orleans might be destroyed. I, uh-huh. I went down there with a group of college students to to help with cleanup, and I will watch any movie that ever takes place in New Orleans. Which reminds me, we need to we need to get the skeleton key on our list. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one it's too. It's a really good one. But I love the fact that this movie is set in this environment, even though it moves us into the bayou, which could very well be any woods. <laughs> Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere right. at that point. But it's just cool that, you know, he he did this. Uh, it uh, offers opportunity for humor and some interesting characters that we see as well. And this movie was one of the last movies shot in New Orleans before Katrina. Mm. But I know that, you know, post-Katrina they continued to try to do as much of their production throughout for the rest of the series in New Orleans just to support the economy. Mm. Yeah, like I said, I've never I've never been there, but my mom has and she says that it's one of her favorite cities too. She was there pre-Katrina and she said uh, that she really, really liked it. She wasn't there during uh, Mardi Gras or anything like that, but she said the only thing that she didn't like about it was especially down by Bourbon Street, the whole place just reeks of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And maybe... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> On the weekends. You know, what What you see here is, is very stereotypical Mardi Gras type stuff, like women flashing for beads, people partying, drinking, having a good time, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, also puking on the street and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, Ben is over it because he's just gotten dumped by his long-term girlfriend, and so he's not into all this partying, and so he says that he wants to go on, like, a haunted swamp tour. Mm. Because some friends, some friends had told him it would be fun. Which is hilarious. I, I, it's a joke that keeps coming up. How is this fun? This place is disgusting. Our hotel room smells like sweaty balls, man. Everybody's just drunk and looking for a fight. You, you threw up six times yesterday. How do you even do that? You guys just stay and have fun, all right? I'm gonna go find something to do. What? By yourself? DeWitt and Robinson told me about this haunted swamp tour thing that they did last year. They said it was amazing. You see all these like floating lights and stuff on the water. 
<laughs> so it's like all he can talk about <laughs> with everybody. He's that one geeky guy. He's like when I went to Vegas with my buddy friends, and they were interested in these very serious sort of adult things. And I was like, hey, I heard like there's a new show over at... <laughs> Over at the such casino, I want to go see Cirque du Soleil, and they're like, "All right, all right, Todd, you go see Cirque du Soleil. We're not interested." <laughs> oh, they missed out, man. They did anyway. Um, but so the rest of his friends don't want to go. But Marcus says that he'll go with them. I think he kind of feels sorry for him. They're best friends, whatever. They go to uh, Reverend Zombies. Voodoo shop to set up this tour. It's closed, but they knock on the door, and Reverend Zombie answers the door, and it's Tony Todd. Oh, that's so cool, like, <laughs> playing a like a like a voodoo priest, but but not really mm-hmm. like a Bourbon Street voodoo priest, you know. <laughs> right. And he says that he can't do tours anymore after what happened the last time, and he tells this very long story. In, I, I I wish I could do a Tony Todd voice, but I can't. But it, in, in that deep, grovelly, scary voice, he tells this long story, and you're just waiting, like, what happened? He got spooked by something in the marsh. He saw two eyes staring at him from the woods. It chilled him to his very marrow. He wanted to get off the boat in a hurry. And he had his foot dangling over the edge. He... He fell in? A gator got him? What happened? He slipped. Hit his head right on the roof and sued me for negligence. That cocksucker! <laughs> like, that's that's the <laughs> conclusion of the story. It's so good. So he can't do it anymore. Yeah. But he's like, you know, check down at uh, Marie Louveau's house of voodoo. There, I think they're still doing one. And so they, they head down there. Um, ben just casually sees a T-shirt with an axe on it that says Victor Crowley lives. We meet <laughs> the rest of the people who are going on this tour. Um, two girls, Misty and Jenna. Misty is played by Mercedes McNabb, who's done a lot of stuff. She was in the Adams Family when she was a little kid. And she was really funny in that, even though it was just a bit part. I remember her as Harmony from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. And she was freaking hilarious mm. on that show. And then Jenna, played by a lady named Jolie Fiore, who has done a lot of TV and stuff, but I didn't recognize her. But they're shooting like a Girls Gone Wild type film called Bayou Beavers. <laughs> <laughs> It's so great. And they're they're just shaking their naked boobs around. They're flashing their boobs throughout the movie. It's hilarious. Uh huh. <laughs> Pretending to make out with each other. It is hilarious. Like it's I'm sure you and my other straight friends, you know, very much appreciated that. For me, it was just hilarious. Like, it was just so comical that at every turn, their cameraman, played by Bill Murray's brother, Joel Murray, just every, like, if, if there, it, it, it's like in fast food, like, if there, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Like, <laughs> if we have a second, pop your tits out. You know, I'm going to get some footage. Oh, just a minute. I got to go, go get a new battery. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Absolutely oh. hilarious. And Joel Murray, you know, is is a funny guy. He was in Scrooge with his brother. Mm-hmm. He's one of, I think, three Murray brothers. I think there are like nine uh, of them. Who are there's actors. a ton of Murray brothers. There, there, Yeah, there's a bunch of the brothers. I don't know how many of them act. I, I know at least three. Yeah. 
Um, but he and he's younger and he's funny. You'll recognize him. You've seen him and stuff. He's a funny guy. And then we meet the tour guide, Sean, played by a kid named Perry Shan, and he's like goofy and over the top trying to put on this New Orleans accent even though he appears to be of like Asian. He's Pacific clearly... Islander or Asian. Yeah. What can I do you two for? Do you do a haunted swamp tour? Why I do the only haunted swamp tour? Real live ghosts? Ooh, tales of the macabre. <gasps> and actual sights that are still damned by <laughs> voodoo curses. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he's trying to put on this Narlin's accent. And like it's accent. it's like it's just it's just as bad as mine just was. Just just like earlier, uh when like later when Marcus <laughs> says the only scary thing about this tour is Mr. Uncle Remus meets Bruce Lee up there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, he calls him lots of different names and they are all totally appropriate it's hilarious but he's the goofy tour guide and then um we there's also a middle-aged couple uh from minnesota mm-hmm. jim played by richard real who has been in Pretty much everything you've every, ever seen. Every movie in existence. Him. He has almost 500 IMDb credits. This man is insanely hardworking yeah. actor. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and his wife, um, Shannon, played by a lady named Patrika Darbo, who I know from, drumroll, Days of Our Lives. Ooh. I, I guess it's because you mostly you mostly watch Days of Our Lives. You didn't pick up the Perry Shens. Most of his stuff is General Hospital. Oh, yeah, I did see that, but yeah, I, I never watched The General mm. Hospital. Your days of um, our lives, Purse. Uh, this, this lady, um, Patrika Darbo, I loved her on Days of Our Lives because she's funny. She's a little kind of rotund, cute woman but but the the gag on um days of our lives was that she was married to this super super hot doctor Mm. and uh they were just all over each other all the time (laughs) (laughs) it was just so funny to see this little you know stout lady and her big hot husband just like you know soap opera gaze and like passion it was great. She was really funny. <laughs> They're going to, and and then the last guest is a, a kind of sullen young lady named um, Mary Beth, and she is played by Amara Zaragoza. Yeah, um, in in all of the sequels, she was recast uh, with Danielle Harris, who is in her own right a horror icon. Um, but try as I might, I could never find out why i don't know if uh the original actress chose not to come back or if they just wanted to cast somebody who was a more recognizable horror icon i i don't know i i love danielle harris she's great so i was happy to see her in the sequels but i kind of felt bad for you know Mara Zaragoza, but Mm -hmm. she uh, had a role on Gossip Girl. She's done tons of TV. She's very pretty, and she does a fine job in this movie. So they take a bus, and they kind of go through New Orleans, you know, the city, uh, uh, the French Quarter and whatnot, and then they get to the bayou, and they board the scare boat, which is just a pontoon boat, like, decorated with, like, Halloween lights (laughs) and stuff. It's so tacky. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, it is, but it looks super fun. It this, does. I am such a dork, and and I know that you are too. Like, mm-hmm. I would be so down for this. Me like, too. I know it's going to be cheesy and stupid, and I don't care. That's part of the charm of it. You know, it's like those roadside atta- attractions in the Midwest. That you know, they're goofy and cheesy, but there's just something charming about them, and and I I really just kind of love that kind of local flavor type thing yeah if i ever do go to new orleans i want to go on a swamp tour i want to see the ghost lights you know like (laughs) i I don't feel like it would really be the full experience if i didn't see that for true for sure yeah you got to do it you got to do the ghost tour you got to do the voodoo (laughs) tour you got to do the the blue bus tour you got to do everything in new orleans as far as i'm concerned there's a definite layer of corniness to those aspects of the city like voodoo is a real thing oh yeah and it's a very deeply held belief that is well practiced and well rooted in new orleans tradition and people there i mean it's a serious thing but then like everything else in america it can easily be exploited for money (laughs) oh sure and you get that all the time uh down there as well but uh so yeah this is this is again just in keeping with you will find this kind of thing in new orleans all the time this sort of swamp tour ghost thing of varying qualities <laughs> and this guy's oh sure absolutely <laughs> it's pretty interesting it's terrible and as he's trying to launch the boat somebody else somebody some <laughs> bayou hick in a rowboat it's like <laughs> yelling at them like where do you think you're going this swamp is closed uh and he and he says something about uh victor crowley but the tour guide's like oh no you know he's just this he's just some crazy guy drinks his own pee and <laughs> just just wave <laughs> so everybody waves at him and then he takes a swig out now of his own pee <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting and that was another cameo there did you, uh, you know? I didn't that? know who this guy was. John, well, you ought to. John Carl Buchler? Buckler? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Oh, it sounds familiar. I mean, he directed one of your favorite movies of all time Troll. Yeah? As, Seriously? Mm-hmm, as well as Cellar Dweller, remember? And um, I guess yeah, I also remember. the Friday the 13th Part 7, he was also responsible for directing. So, uh, And he's he's been act he's acted in a number of horror movies and some of his and some other ones and stuff here and there. I, f- I figured as much. I figured it had to be a cameo. I don't know why I didn't click on his name. Um, <laughs> he reprises his role in the sequel, but he gets killed off right in the first scene. But uh, so so they go out, and he, you know, the Sean is giving this, stu- you know, if you look over there, you'll see. Like it's so stupid. <laughs> Coming up, you all see an old house with a barn behind it. That right there is a home of a real famous Louisiana legend, Victor Crowley, Hatchet Face. Legend is, is that uh, he was a deformed man whose own father went nuts and whacked him in the face with a hatchet one night. Probably on the kind of he was uh, so uh, ugly or something. Anyway, he died. And so the story goes is that if you're ever near the old Crowley house late at night, you can still hear old Victor Crowley crying for his daddy. Daddy. Y'all hear that? Daddy. I don't heard it again. That ain't the story. 
Sorry. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's also hilarious to me that she's like all like that's not the real story. And then later she tells the story and it's exactly, it's exactly the same the except same. for like except for like a few minor, minor details. details that are just extra. Uh-huh. Like it's not it's not like anything that Sean said wasn't true. It's just like <laughs> apparently she was angry that he left out these little details which is funny because this is what adam green said when he was coming up with hatch with uh, the victor crowley thing he was like he wanted to keep it simple and this needs to be something you can tell your friends you know uh this dude's dad uh, hit him in the head with a hatchet through the door and nobody's sure if he's alive or dead boom just sort of like jason you know uh-huh, <laughs> sort of like uh-huh. freddie very simple and that's that's a smart mm, philosophy it's more like Jason because like Jason, he's kind of a tragic figure. And mm-hmm. I actually thought that they played, you know, Victor Crowley, the killer in the movie is just a brutal killing machine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when Mary Beth eventually tells her version of the backstory, we actually get to see it play out on screen. And I thought that this was done really well. Mm. Kane Hodder plays the killer, Victor Crowley, but he also plays Sans makeup Crowley's dad and we see this whole story about how you know he was born deformed but his dad liked liked him his dad loved him and you know tried to protect him and and you see them like sitting together and his dad feeding him and this deformed kid uh you know his face is just terribly disfigured um is eating and like you know the food is falling out of his mouth it's gross but it's falling on his little doll oh he's holding onto a bait like cradling a baby doll and um and and he seems comfortable and safe and happy with his dad and and his dad kane hodder is a giant of a man but he's he's a handsome man yeah you know you don't see him in much other than horror but i get the feeling that he is not a bad actor. Here, he's very sympathetic. I kind of got the feels a little bit, you Mm. know, in this relationship. At one point, he drives into town, and he's got Victor with him, and and Victor's kind of wearing, you know, like a shroud, and he stays in the car while his dad goes in, and and the local kids torment him, which is mean and and sad, you know? That's, That's not nice to bully people. Ultimately, the tragedy is... On Halloween night, the kids came to their house out on the bayou, and in an attempt to draw Victor out so they could get a peek at him, they throw fireworks at the house, which sets the house on fire, and Victor is trapped inside. And his dad, um, who hadn't been there, uh, returns home and can hear his son screaming from the inside, but the door is on fire, so he can't just open the door. So he picks up a hatchet... And he's trying to break the door down, but Victor, for whatever reason, I, I you know, he's a little slow or whatever, or 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 he's just scared, which would be <laughs> also completely reasonable. Yeah. has him. He's he's pressed himself up against the door trying to get out, and the hatchet goes directly into his face and kills him. This backstory is explored further in in the sequels there's more to it but in mary beth's story she just tells us you know this devastated his father and his father just became a recluse and died sometime five ten years later and ever since then people have said that they you know hear the cries of victor crowley at night and blah 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 Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it, it's actually kind of a sad backstory, and I, I kind of liked is. it. But yeah. it would have been better though for him to just like uh, step about three feet to the right where there was no fire and just break through the window. Right, that's true. <laughs> or I maybe know. run around to the back door. <laughs> yeah, and and at this, God, we we we've been talking for so long, and and but this it gets to the point. They crash the boat, sink the boat. They have to get off. The old guy gets bit by an alligator and whatever, but they find themselves in front of the real Crowley house. That's when Mary Beth tells the real story, but because the old guy's injured, he and his wife are bound and determined, and like apparently they have to go. There's no other way. <laughs> they have to go right by the house uh-huh. uh, in order to get to the road or anything else. There, there's just no other possible way they could go. Some of them are like, oh, this is stupid. There's no you know, ghost or whatever it is. And then that's when Victor Crowley just bursts out of his house, arms in the air, hatchet in hand. (laughs) (laughs) No subtlety here. None at all. And I love it. Yeah. It's it's hilarious. (laughs) Um, and, and he looks good, you know, the makeup. Uh, it doesn't articulate very much. It, it seems mostly like a mask or different prosthetic pieces that really don't move a lot. Um, but he's huge and he's gross and he's scary. And he chops the old guy in half. The wife, he rips her jaw apart um, in a great shot that I'm sure if we were talking about technicality, Ugh, I have no idea how they did it it's because amazing. the camera spun around. Okay, so you've got the actress and Kane Hodder puts his hands like in her mouth and starts to open her mouth. But then the camera spins around him. And when it gets back to her, it's now a prop. It's a dummy. And he rips her the top of her head completely off. I would pay $5 to see a behind-the-scenes of how they did that yeah. because it, it, it looked seamless. It, it was looked really great. good. Yeah. And then Victor Crowley chases them through the bayou for 30, 40 minutes. Great creative kills. Uh, yep. he, the guy who shot the porn, <laughs> he gets his head <laughs> spun around 360 degrees. Looks fantastic. Jenna, one of the porn girls gets her face sanded off with a belt sander <laughs> was so, which is hilarious that was so funny it, like it's so random and and apparently he you th- this belt sander is one of his weapons of choice oh yeah throughout the rest of the whole series and what is it plugged into i know <laughs> it must be well i actually read an interview with the director and he talked about the belt sander he said that when it came time to shoot it he was not going to do it he's like this is ridiculous i can't have our killer like you know with a with an extension cord behind him you know running around with his belt sander and the prop guy was like no we've got to do it how about if tomorrow i can whip up and bring you a gas powered belt sander just to prove that such a thing can exist will you do the scene and he's like fine and he says lo and behold the next day the prop guy had a gas powered belt sander it says here you go we're gonna do it oh god it's hilarious it's so funny and it's gross and it looks fantastic um and like like i said he just keeps you know they'll they'll run away and then they'll stop kind of huddle up and talk about what they're gonna do next and then he'll show up again. Ah! It's almost like a running <laughs> gag. As often as these people will like run, I don't know, 
for like 30 seconds and then stop and then have a conversation or argue with each other or you know say they've gonna they're gonna make a plan and then while they're doing that the whole the whole time i'm thinking you guys just need to get the out of there and yes oh god and it's just like just keep moving but I'm so glad that they stop and talk because the dialogue is so it, it's banter and it's it's so funny. It's funny. Like I was just laughing and laughing. Um, Marcus making fun of the tour guide, hilarious. <laughs> the tour guide's changing accents. <laughs> yes, oh, he's got like three different accents. I, I think it turns out that he's just an American. Yeah, <laughs> like, just... like all of his accents are fake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like New Orleans, people who live in New Orleans aren't American. Right. Um, you know what I mean. We know what you mean. Standard American standard. Yeah, they find um, they find they trip over the body of the cameraman and they pull out his wallet. And it turns out that he's not who he said he was. He's just some average Joe who cons women into showing their boobs for so he can record it like for his private collection <laughs> and uh, misty says so he didn't really work for bayou beavers i'm thinking no dude must pretend he's a producer to get his own little collection good idea that pervert why are all men such slime i can't believe i've fallen for that shit three times now like <laughs> Oh, just just oh. so much funny, like, and it's silly and it's stupid, and I was so down for yeah. it. Like, it's a fun. This is a fun it movie. Is fun. It's meant to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be taken seriously. It's put there for you to laugh at and to have a good time with. And oh, I just you know I've seen it several times, but as you know, uh, I, I <laughs> the people closest to me aren't. <laughs> huge horror fans Mm. so i usually watch these movies by myself i think that seeing something like this in a theater full of people who are into this kind of thing would just be awesome i I can't imagine the energy and the laughter even just sitting around with your friends it's just so fun i just think it's super fun but they run around everybody eventually gets killed except for uh ben mary beth Marcus and uh, Misty, and at that point they decide they need to go back to Crowley's house to try to find weapons, uh, and I think that they're going to find a gas can and try to set him on fire. I don't remember why they said they think that will kill him. Yeah. But, so they split up. Um, <laughs> ben goes to look for the gas. Mary Beth is kind of hanging out with Marcus, and they're keeping an eye out. And then Misty's over by herself keeping an eye out. And she's so funny. Even with no dialogue, she's just like rolling her eyes and making gestures and stuff and so funny. But then... It cut the camera cuts to Mary Beth and Marcus again, and they're like taunting Victor Crowley, trying to distract him or something. It cuts back to Misty, and she's gone. Just her clothes are like draped over a bush, and then you see Ben like rooting through the gas cans, and he just gets hit in the head with Misty's head, like just out of nowhere. Like her head just like smacks him in the head, and then her whole torso follows just smacks him and then Victor Crowley shows up in the door (laughs) (laughs) and they fight and they douse him in gasoline and they they light him on fire and he's on fire and it immediately starts raining Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and puts him out. And then there's a chase through uh, a cemetery, and Marcus gets killed. I really kind of hoped Marcus was going to make it because uh, he's so funny. But it, you know, it, it's it's suiting for the movie. He gets his. <laughs> My favorite thing about Marcus is in pretty much every scene, he's like, "This is bullshit." Yeah. Like, <laughs> you you could take a shot every time he says that and have a really fun time. Damn it. I'm supposed to be here right now, man. Just to be looking at some titties, man. What's wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> As he's up a tree. Uh. <laughs> so funny. But he gets he gets his arms ripped off and then he gets picked up and smashed against a mausoleum and so now it's only Ben and Mary Beth left, and they're running, and Victor Crowley throws a, uh, it's a, a rod from like a cat, like a wrought iron fence, throws it, and it goes right directly into Ben's foot, and, and he can't move. But Mary Beth says, bend the uh, rod forward, because Crowley's running right at them. And they do. And Crowley just impales himself through the chest <laughs> right on it. Yeah. It's before that, when they were being chased, um, at one point Crowley had uh, fallen on top of Ben. So they were face to face and he like drooled like a gallon of mucus into oh, his God, mouth. Oh God, that was so like, nasty. and then in this moment where he's like dead like he's not moving and they're just standing there looking at him then out of nowhere he just coughs a full mouth of blood right into ben's face (laughs) um so disgusting blood splatter gore i mean it's it's everywhere and and I watched what I assume is the rated R version. I don't know if I've ever seen the unrated version. I, I mean, I guess I'd like to. I mean, if it, if it's really only an extra minute of footage, I feel like I'm not really missing that much. It's still gory. It's still fun. But anyway, they think they're safe. They find Mary Beth's dad's boat from the first scene. They get in the boat. They're going away. And then I didn't see this coming, but when it happened... It was perfect yeah. because the way that it was shot, even the music, if you pay attention to it, the, the way that it was shot in the music is super, super reminiscent of Friday the 13th Part mm-hmm. 1 um, at the end. And the exact same thing happens in Friday the 13th. Young Jason pops out of the lake and grabs Alice and pulls her under. Um, here, Crowley bursts out of the lake, grabs Mary Beth, pulls her under. She gets tangled up in some weeds underneath, but then she sees... Ben's hand reaching down for her and she grabs it and and gets pulled up but when she gets pulled up she finds that it's actually Crowley with Ben's severed arm and Ben is laying in the bottom of the boat <laughs> with <laughs> his arm torn off and um Mary Beth and Crowley scream in each other's face cut to black mm. the end it's so interesting right? so abrupt it is. so abrupt I, I thought that something had gone wrong. Yeah, me too. Like that that the version that I had seen had had gotten cut off um, prematurely. So I looked it up, and that's not true. It's just that it's a setup because part two opens in that precise moment. In fact, if you watch Hatchet one, two, and three all the way through and take out the end credits in the middle. It is one continuous story that happens over the course of just a couple of days. Wow. Uh, now, the 
the final one, which is not called Hatchet 4, it's called uh, Victor Crowley, um, is set 10 years later. And it was made in secret to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the first movie. And the critics are mixed. You know, generally speaking, this first movie got pretty good reviews, you know, for, for horror movie. The sequels mixed reviews some people liked them some people didn't the last one the reviews were mixed but they were uh there was a a major divide um a lot of people a lot of critics said that they thought that this was certainly the best sequel if not the best in the whole franchise but then the critic from bloody disgusting said he thought that it was total crap and the worst one of the whole franchise i haven't seen it so i can't recommend it one way or the other but i can recommend this movie because i think it's hilarious i think it's a really really fun take on 80s style slashers i think that victor crowley is maybe not as interesting as some He's not as interesting as Freddy. He's not as complex. He does have a backstory. He he he's a little bit of a tragic figure, um, and he's fun to watch. He's he's funny just in his, you know, just popping up and and shouting. Like he never he doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. He just screams. And it's just sheer brutality. It, he's brutal and indiscriminate. Indestructible, apparently. Indestructible, right. It doesn't matter. You can shoot him, you can impale him, you can set him on fire. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, and the sequel goes into more of that, you know, about, you know, there's a curse that, whatever. I, not that it's stupid. It's just not worth going into in detail now. If, if you're interested, read the Wikipedia pages or watch the movies because there is more to his backstory or or uh, whatever yeah um, i liked it. it i i had seen this movie before maybe even more than once but i'm sure it has been at least a decade um and going back and watching it again i i had a lot of fun yeah. i i enjoyed it more than i remembered and i enjoyed it more than i expected to what surprised me the second time around i don't remember the circumstances on which i saw it the first time around i know i was alone what really got me was just how funny the movie was. I remembered it as having humorous elements, but more or less just being a straight-out slasher kind of copycat movie. But uh, this time around, it really opened my eyes, really hit home, just how it's almost a comedy first, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a horror movie second, only because, my God, well, A, the subject matter, and B, it is one of the goriest things you're going to see. I mean, it, it loves to mm-hmm. go up close and personal with all of these effects, and you and I both love that stuff. Yeah. We just love the artistry of it and everything, and so um, that definitely doesn't disappoint in this movie at all. So, yeah, all around, it kind of hits all the notes. Would I want to see, like, four movies just like it? I don't know. I guess I go back and watch... 80 slashers that are all basically the same (laughs) but those are products of their time this is a throwback so maybe i'll check out the second one yeah if it's as funny as this one is then yeah for sure i I think again maybe not the third one but the rest of them are all written by adam green and he wrote this one so one would think that they would be similar in quality but who knows but no i i definitely do uh recommend this one i think that um, a lot of our listeners would really get a kick out of it. If you haven't seen it, which you probably already have, but um, maybe, maybe it's time for a revisit. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it or had anything to say or any insights that you would like to share with us, we're on a variety of platforms, basically anywhere that you can find podcasts. If you just Google two guys in a chainsaw podcast, we also do have our own website, two guys.red40net.com. We have a Facebook page and you can leave us messages anywhere there and we, we try to respond to as many of those as we can. We do also also uh, have a Patreon campaign going on right now. Some of you have told us that you would like to support us even more than you already do. The web address for that is patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast are so inclined uh there are a few you know just a, a few bonus things for those who choose to throw us a little extra support but we're still here releasing our regular episodes for all of you um across these various platforms for free and we will continue to be doing that and are happy to do it and love interacting with you as much as we can until next time i'm craig and i'm todd with two guys in a chainsaw